Hello, everyone. Here is my disclaimer. The views of the guest on the interview may not represent those of the station or the host. And please discuss any advice with your primary care physician. This is Betsy Wurzel, your host of Chatting with Betsy on Passionate World Talk Radio, where our mantra is to educate, enlighten, and entertain. Folks, I always have phenomenal guests on my show, and I say that all the time because I believe it's true. And today, I have someone who is phenomenal. I just, (laughs) I love his book. Sometimes I wish I did video interviews so I could show the books, but I'd rather be behind the camera (laughs) than in front of the camera. I have with me today... Mark Joseph, who goes by the pen name Gramps Jeffrey, and he is author of I Don't Want to Turn Three, which is so cute, and we'll get into that. Gramps Jeffrey has received a Firebird Book Award um, winner, and he is father of four, grandpa to six grandchildren. He also won the Mom's Choice Award He also wrote another book, author of The Secrets of Retailing, How to Be Walmart. He is a contributor to the Huffington Post, and he wrote over 100 articles on how to help a nonprofit world and also help grow small businesses. Amazing. So I want to welcome Gramps Jeffrey to Chatting with Betsy. Thank you so much for inviting me. Oh, my pleasure. I'm so glad you reached out to me on on LinkedIn. I've met so many nice people uh, that I've had on my show uh, through LinkedIn, and I thank you for contacting me. I loved your book. I worked in a preschool for um, 13 years, and I just love the the book, the story the illustration, and I just think it's a, a great story. So I like to know, as I was asking all my authors this, what motivated you to write this cute little book? Well, you know, living uh, this past year because of the pandemic caused by COVID-19 and isolation, you know, except for being able to be with my family, kind of gave me a special time to watch and interact with these grandkids. And i got to tell you what a trip it is. Um, all six of these kids have completely different personalities, but the one thing they do have in common is their sense of curiosity and how excited they do get when they do accomplish something uh, new. You know, watching them grow year to year and how they interact with each other, you know, really is the, the, the basis for this book. What, what goes through a toddler's mind the parents are so desperate to understand? When does a toddler really understand the difference, you know, between me and us? You know, this book explores how my family found this out together. You know, as a baby boomer myself, trying to understand how the world has evolved since I was three years old is really part of the story, too. You know, my parents didn't have cell phones. They didn't have the Internet. They didn't have cable TV. They didn't have remotes. I was my dad's remote. He said, son, go change the channel. <laughs> you know, so yes. I, I was remote at the time. You know, my, my parents' definition of discipline is quite different than parents of today. You know, has today's world made for a better place for children to grow up? I, you know, I'll let you, your listeners kind of answer that question. You know, as you kind of weigh in how you were treated 
versus how we treat our kids today. So that's why I wrote this book. Yes, uh, I could tell you uh, much different. I'm a baby boomer, and I, I was, let me put it this way, I was shocked, utterly shocked and stunned and what I saw kids do to their parents in uh, the preschool. I was amazed that these children, from, they were from two to five, two to six, hit their parents, scream at them, hit them, not listen to them. I was like, are you kidding me? I never, never would have thought of that, Graham. And if I ever did that, that would have been the last time I would have done that. That's for sure. Um, I'm amazed. I, I was stunned. Well, you know, I, I don't know how it was when you were growing up, but discipline was much different when I was growing up. You oh know, yeah. My parents, you know, my parents uh, were the parent, the greatest generation ever. I mean, they. They yeah. are the ones that grew up in the uh, Depression. They saved the world in World War II. And they were a very disciplined group when they came back, and they were rightfully so. You know, they, they went through a lot. And so the, the way, they were very disciplined. I mean, you know, the, the, if my brother Larry and I ever got in trouble during the day, my mother would say, wait till your dad gets home. Yeah, and, uh, yes. <laughs> you know, my dad would come home, and uh, he would take off his belt and chase us around the yeah. kitchen table. You know? In fact, um, he had the... Uh, he had this uh, fraternity paddle that he also used on us. And one night when my parents were, in, were away, we lived up in uh, Ohio in late fall, and uh, we went into his closet, we took his paddle, and the leaves were on the ground, and we uh, buried the paddle in the pile of leaves, and the next night it snowed. And so we went back out that spring to find the paddle. It was gone. So it was like a miracle to me. That, uh, you know, that, that, that the discipline may have been gone. But, yes, that's how I was raised. And we didn't raise my kids that way. You know, I think we learned from that. You know, we were more, we talked to them, we tried to convince them. And, uh, and their generation then, now, raising the kids that you're talking about, you know, are, are, are much better, I think, than we were. Uh, but, you know, there are exceptions, there are problems. But, so it's really evolved over the last three generations. Oh, oh, definitely, yes. My parents were from that generation also. Um, going to be 65 in December, so yes, I was raised with my mom saying, wait till your father gets home, and if I did something wrong, my father would take out his strap, and he would say, Betsy, I had to put out my, my um, hands and uh, make a fist, and he'd say, which hands did you do it with? And me, like a dummy, went, I don't know. So I got smacked with the belt on both my hands. <laughs> uh, and uh, I can tell you, I never did it again. That's for sure. Um, you know, you didn't think of doing it. And I knew what I could get away with with my mom. And I knew what I could get away with with my father. But I knew with my father around, I had to watch how I talked to my mom. He heard me one time. He goes, don't you talk to him like that. I'll smack you right in the face. And he would have. <laughs> I don't think kids talk like that anymore. <laughs> I think they learn um, But, uh, yeah. you know, this is, 
this this generation coming up, the, these kids that are one to ten years old now, they will become the greatest generation this country has ever produced. I mean, when you think about it, as soon as they come out of the womb, they're on the internet. You know, they got yeah. cell phones. They're electronically, you know, they're, they're doing. I mean, I didn't get on the internet till I was forty years old. Here, these kids are already there, so they are so much more advanced than we ever were as children. Uh, and it, oh yeah, it's really. You know, it's the job of uh, parents and the grandparents, and that's why I like to talk about grandparents, you know, to, to get into these kids' lives so that we can offset all this great information they're learning electronically with real-life experiences. Well, I'm not a grandparent, but um, definitely grandparents have much, much wisdom that they could pass on to their grandchildren. And, you know, if they live close by, really take a part in raising them if their parents allow for that. And, and you know, if they don't live close, then there's always uh, FaceTime or, you know, talking on a, via Zoom or whatever uh, you wish to uh, choose. But I have noticed in working, I worked in the preschool for 13 years, and I noticed that the children's attention spans would be shorter and shorter. I think it could be because of the internet because everything is so fast. But yeah, these uh, young kids would say, Miss Betsy, I have my you know own iPad and I play games. And, and then I didn't even have a smartphone. <laughs> <laughs> and this one boy, he said, Miss Betsy, do you have a computer? I said, no, Neil, I don't. And he said, well, I have a Hewitt Packard, whatever the the serial number was of it. I mean, it cracked me up. But they're very tech-savvy. Well, you know, going back to your your thought that (laughs) grandparents need to get involved, too many grandparents just don't care, and they're not involved. 30% of grandparents today are classified as remote, which means they're not involved in, in the raising of their kids at all. They may see them at a birthday party or they may catch them at Christmas, but they're really not involved. And when you think about it, that's one out of every three. So, uh, again, being a baby boomer, that's one out of every three. If you look right and left, one of you is not involved or doesn't care about the, about your, your, your grandkids. I mean, uh, you know, the, the reason, one of the reasons for that is we cause it. We as baby boomers and grandparents, we cause that, and, you know, because we cause a rift between us and our kids. You know, for instance, uh, we may not have liked the spouse our kid married. Well, you know, that causes tension, you know, between uh, grandmother and grandparents and, and so forth. We may give our children the unsolicited advice they don't want. You know, their, their attitude is, hey, you raised me. I should be a good kid. I'm going to be a great parent. I don't need your advice. You know, that may uh, cause the difference between us not getting involved in our kids. We may stop by their house unannounced, just drop in. You know, they need their space. They need to be different. So, you know, we we push our kids away, which obviously push our grandkids away. You know, we're undermining the parent's authority by challenging what a parent is teaching their children. You know, parents, grandparents question their parents' values, or, you know, their children's values and their family structure. That pushes us away. We, we, we tend to play favorites. Now, I've got six grandkids. And I, I have a favorite, but I'm not going to tell you. I'm not going to tell anybody. You know, you're not supposed to do that. You can't play favorites, but a lot of us do. That, that causes yeah. problems. You know, oh, we, yes. 
we we try to we try to control our kids the grandkids through money and gifts and vacations we as an older generation may have a lack of empathy you know we may not understand and be able to share feelings with others so this causes problems and you know and grandparents many times demand a child comply and respect them and that causes problems so a third of us are just not involved and uh, in raising these kids, and you know, a lot of it's caused by ourselves. My son was very fortunate. My son, Josh, he's 38. He was fortunate because we lived near uh, my mother-in-law, and she you know, saw Josh a lot, and we even lived with her. Um, and my parents you know, lived close by until they moved down to South Jersey. And so Josh had, and even my great grand I mean, my, my grandmother, which was Josh's great grandmother, and we would visit her. So he, you know, was very fortunate with that. And you talk about favorites. <laughs> my parents showed favoritism amongst the four of us. I grew up with um, two brothers and a sister, and even with the grandchildren. Now, Josh was 11 when my brother's daughter was born and after that it's like Josh didn't exist and that was very hurtful to Josh and he knew that that they didn't talk about him because when we went to my dad's 80th birthday party and they had lived down in their area then like five years one person said who are you and he said um Josh their grandson and that guy said, oh, I didn't know they had a grandson. All they talk about is their granddaughters. That was yeah, awful. It's, yeah, it's something, you know, these kids have memories. That's something Josh is going to remember the rest of his life. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, you know, you talk about uh, being close to everyone. You know, when I grew up, uh, my uncle lived up the street and my uh, grandmother lived a couple blocks away. So it was a whole tightened of family. But in today's world, you know, it's not that way anymore. You know, taking me for an example, I've got two grandkids here with us in Arizona, but I got two more in uh, in Austin, Texas, and I got two more in Orlando. You know, and so how do you keep in touch with them? What can you do so that they they remember who you are? Um, and so that's one of the biggest challenges for grandparents is what do you do? Yes, and you know what, Gramps, that's – so um, important now, like with the uh, aging population, and I could say that because I'm one of them. <laughs> um, if I had grandchildren that didn't live near me, I'd want to still communicate with them and do a FaceTime or do a Zoom or StreamYard or, or something where I could see them and, and communicate. But people who are, are aging now, the baby boomers, are finding that technology is helping them stay in touch with their grandkids, especially yeah, well, during the pandemic. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll share with, uh, with you what I did, and I'm sure your listeners can come up with other stories and so forth. But So 
during the during the uh, COVID, I told you that's one of the reasons I wrote the book. Uh, I had all six of them here for about six weeks, so I had a chance to to really watch them and, and to interact with them. Um, but they became familiar with our house and with each other and all that. And then the kids from uh, Texas and, and Florida went home. So we figured, how are we going to keep in touch with them? Because little two and three, four year old, four year olds, they don't pick up the phone to call you. I mean, that doesn't happen. So you got to come up with a way to do that. And so what we decided to do, for some reason. All these little kids, two, three, four, five, six, even seven-year-olds, love dinosaurs. It's like their language. These little two- and three-year-olds can say these long names of dinosaurs. They can tell me who their friends were. They can tell me if they eat meat. Uh, you know, I, I know dinosaurs are small, medium, and large, and they, they know all these details. And I notice whenever I see them playing with friends outside the family, one of the first things they all talk about are dinosaurs. So we decided, we had six dinosaurs we kept in our house here. We decided that we were going to put our dinosaurs someplace different every night. And so, for instance, one night they were in the kitchen eating blueberries. Uh, another night they were by the sink with Grandma washing dishes and they had no soap on their noses. Another night they were playing the piano. Another night they were walking up the steps. So we had 50 different uh, nights of where they were doing something inside or outside the house that kids could relate to. So what happened is we became part of their routine. So, you know, the kids in Orlando, they would take their bath. Mom and dad would read them a book. And then they would ask their mom and dad, what are the dinosaurs doing tonight? And so they would grab the, the iPhone, call my, my, my wife, and we'd do FaceTime. And they'd say, where's Gramps? Where's Gramps? What are the dinosaurs doing tonight? And so that was our way of keeping in touch with them, even though they weren't physically near us. I'm sure your listeners can come up with all kinds of other ways they, they can do something very similar because, you know, the, the, the Internet has given that, that ability. Yes, and there's many different types of communication devices to keep in touch. As a matter of fact, next – is it next week? Yes, next week, Tuesday – I will be talking to someone who has a device where people can keep in touch uh, with their loved one, and um, that should be a, a great show. And, you know, I, I loved your book about the sharing um, because it shows that, you know, we can teach children empathy and compassion and to be giving. And as uh, in my own humble opinion, Grams, I think your book should be in every preschool and kindergarten. I, I, I feel that strongly about it. I think it's a great book, and we can teach children, you know, many lessons through stories like yours, through uh, illustrations, and just showing it by example ourselves. Well, thank you for the, the, the compliment. You know, the, the one thing that we as parents and grandparents need to be teaching our children early, as, as you suggested, is how to read a book or how to listen to a book. You know, it's, it's so important for us to, 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 to teach them to get involved in books early. The books become part of their routine. You know, and, and there's all kinds of benefits of reading to, to kids. You know, one of the benefits, and I just picture myself with one of my grandkids sitting on my lap, you know, because these, these books take about 20 minutes to read, so it's not a big amount of time, but it's enough. It, it creates a bonding time. It gives you a nice 
chance to just spend time together with a child sitting on your lap and you're reading a book together. You know, it gives a chance for the kids to feel really secure with you. You know, another another reason why we should be uh, making an effort to be reading to these children as early as possible is that it supports listening skills. You know, when you're reading to children, it requires them to listen. So that starts that whole process. And you and I both know that listening skills have become the number one skill that we have. I mean, you as a, as a host, you have to listen to your guests to make sure you're asking the right questions. I have to listen to our customers and make sure we have the right products. So we, we listening skills are the best skills that we can impart in these little kids, and reading books really encourages that. You know, reading books – so, uh, supports cognitive and language development. You know, there's, there's plenty of these books that have words these kids don't know yet. So it gives you a chance as an adult to explain these words to these kids and what they mean. And also, there's lots of these words in these books I don't understand, so i got to go look them up. So it's an education for us, too. You know, and, and another reason we should be reading books to kids is, you know, when you're two, three, four years old, as you well know, in a preschool, you're bouncing off the wall all day. <laughs> so it gives us a chance yeah. to create with their attention span, you know, key concentration and self-discipline skills. So I encourage all of your listeners, make sure that you get reading books into uh, into the routine of your kids. There's a hundred great books out there. Obviously, I want to buy my book, but there's a hundred other great ones out there um, that, that can accomplish this for them. I I love to read when I was a child. I still love to read. And I used to save up my money to go to the drugstore to buy the Bobsy Twins books. I love the Bobsy Twins uh, series at that time. And I read to my son ever since he was a baby. Uh, we used to go to the library. We joined the library club. He won a couple of things. Um, and I got him to, you know, like to read. I would read to him at bedtime or at nap time. I would read to him, and I really found that in the the preschool, one of the kids' favorite things was um, reading before their nap time. We would have a story time, and they, they enjoyed that. And of course, Miss Betsy, with <laughs> with my silly self, would sing silly songs also <laughs> um, that uh, that they enjoyed. And they really do like to hear a story. Some kids pay attention, some don't, but, and then you get, you know, to ask them questions about the story, or they might ask you a question, and then it is a good way to communicate. I agree. You, you, you bring up really the, the reason that we have to be reading to kids, because it's necessary for us to teach children how to think. Not what to think. You know, they're going to learn over time what to think. But we have to teach them how to think. And, you know, and reading does that. You know, if you picture picking before you even uh, pick out a book. In fact, if you've got all of us have 20 kids' books laying around the house, you know, just let the kid pick out the book. Um, but before you even read it to them, you know, before you even open it up, say, what do you think is going to happen to this book? You know, again, we need to teach them how to think. And during reading, while, while they're uh, reading it, you want to ask them, who are the characters in this book? You know, what, what is the setting of this book? You know, again, getting to, to start to think. Well, and you also want to say, does this book sound familiar to you? Yeah, and then let them, is this a setting that you're familiar with, that you're not? Again, getting to think. And then when you're done 
reading the book, much like you should be doing every night at dinner when you ask them, how was your day? What was your favorite part of this book? Why was it your favorite part? Again, we need to teach children how to think, and reading helps encourage that. Yes, and I have to say that my son has a cognitive disability, but I, I read to him, uh, read to Josh anyway, and Josh loved to read. I don't know, to this day, he's 38. I don't know what he processes when he does read, but he loves to read. Um, I just gave him a book to read whose um, author I, I interviewed uh, with sports. He, it's amazing, because he would like take Sports Illustrated, um, it was the, what was it called? The uh, the Ranger yearbook, I think something like that. And he would actually memorize those statistics and scores from games. So even if I want to encourage people, even if your child has a learning disability, read anyway. It's so important. Get them to think. Get them to answer you uh, what this book that you're reading is about. It's I say read anyway. Um, it's so important. I, Josh would read, this is funny, Josh would read the movie reviews in the paper because he loves the movies. And he would read the movie reviews. What he understood from that, I don't know. But you know what? He was reading. And that's the most important thing. You know, you bring up another great point. Is what, what really are parents' responsibility in, in today's world? You know, in today's world of instant information, uncertainty, definitely cruelty, you know, differences in ideas, that's on, that's on the news every day. You know, what is really the true role of parents? Yeah, obviously, parents provide their children with food and clothing and a place to live. They also provide them with financial support and medical care, you know, and the opportunity to receive an education. Um, they're there to protect their children from harm and provide them with a safe environment, you know, which includes supervision and control of any situation. But you know, because parents are the most influential people for our children, much like you were when you were raising Josh, you know, they have more power to bring the good qualities needed in our daily lives. You know, traits that parents should always strive to make sure their kids you know, are, 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 are doing is honesty, you know, responsibility, kindness, uh, independence. We want these kids to be independent, respect, obviously, uh, positive thinking, you know, the, the glass is half full, not half empty, you know, creativity. You know, we all want to make sure that our kids maximize their creativity, creativity, you know, how, healthy eating, you know, and, and exercise. In today's world, that's just so important. And, and we need to teach our kids that you can learn success and it can, can come from failure. You fail sometimes, and so from that failure, you can learn success. But the main thing that we as parents and grandparents have got to instill in our kids, again, to, to help with all the, everything else they're learning online is how to have fun. You know, what do you do to have fun in this world? And so, you know, that, that's really what parents' responsibilities are, and you kind of touched on that. Yes, and I have to say this, Gramps, that children can learn – such valuable life lessons, and they learn from the parents. You know, we have to model for them. My son was 15 or 16 when we moved in with my mother-in-law. At the time, we didn't know she had Alzheimer's. And he learned how to be a caregiver. And then when his dad 
was diagnosed, he became uh, a caregiver again. And he was so proud to be a caregiver. He enjoyed visiting his great-grandma, my grandmother, in the nursing home. He enjoyed visiting his grandma in, in the nursing home. He had compassion. And I'm so proud of my son. Of course, I'm biased. <laughs> but when Josh went to um, a funeral of someone who was in charge of their buddy night, and we happened to have went to grammar school together, he said, Mom, I cried. I said, it's okay, Josh. It's okay to cry at someone's wake or funeral. It shows you have compassion. That's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful quality. And I think, Gramps, that we need to teach our children, especially our boys, it's okay to show emotion in a constructive way. It's okay to cry. It's okay to be angry even. But do it in a constructive way to let out your anger instead of going, destroying your environment. You know, say how you feel and to feel safe. We need to let our kids know that it's safe to come to us. And when we cut off communication with our children, that's the worst thing as a parent could do because they're going to go to people you don't want them to get advice from or to join a gang to feel like they're wanted or needed and understood or to take drugs and, and alcohol. We don't want this for our children. So I, I always tell parents, if you're listening to the show, please keep your lines of communication open. It's so important. I never lose sight that we are really the role model for these children. They are a sponge, especially the real little ones. They, whatever you do, they imitate. So, for instance, if you start to cuss, I can guarantee you that you're going to hear that same word four or five more times that day. So you've got to offset that by being able to say right away, oh, things they like, like raspberries and dinosaurs and ice cream. You know, so hopefully they'll forget to do that. But, but kid, you, are the, you are the role model. They, are, they watch us. You know, if you spend too much time on your screens and on your phones, your child's going to spend too much time on their screens and on their phones. You know, they imitate us. You know, that's who we are. You know, I was, I was touched to hear about the, your son and how he reacted because, you know, the, the real theme of my book is, is at what age do you begin to take responsibility for your actions? Is it three years old? Is it 13 years old? Is it 23 years old? You know, as a baby boomer, I know plenty of 63 years old that still don't take responsibility for their actions. Yeah, so <laughs> it, it's great. It's great that your son learned from you to do that. Thank you. Um, and, you know, he saw I was not perfect. Um, I did not handle my mother-in-law's um, hallucinations the way I should have because the education wasn't out there. The information wasn't. However, I was better equipped because I was educated when it came to uh, my husband hallucinating, and I taught Josh how to uh, deal with that. But, you know, Josh knows that he could come to me, and I didn't have that with my mom and dad. I couldn't come to them with any problems. I could not tell them how I felt because they were from the generation, you don't air your dirty laundry, you don't talk about how you feel. You just, you know, suck it up, buttercup, that's the way it is. My dad's favorite saying was, got to roll with the punches. Well, I didn't understand the back then, but I do now. 
Uh, that was her favorite saying. They have to roll the punches, Betsy. And I, I think Gramps, and this is what I tried to teach my kids in the preschool. You know, when they would take someone's toy or be mean to someone, I would try to teach them empathy and compassion. So, well, how would you feel if your friend took away your toy and said this to you? How would you feel? And everybody, my coworkers thought I was being ridiculous, but I said, you know what? They can learn. They learn. This is how you teach them from experience. And they, they wouldn't like it. And I said, well, if you wouldn't like being treated that way, do you think they, your friend wants to be treated that way? So I would, you know, try to instill that, um, to have that compassion and that empathy. But if they see grown-ups not having it and showing um, even, you know, prejudice against someone, then they're going to be prejudiced. Because children don't care who they play with in the sandbox. They really don't. It's the parents that instill that fears in them and, and dislike for other people. And we have to be very careful what we say because we are role models. I agree 100%. Yeah, it's interesting. A lot of the points that you just talked about uh, is one reason why we started this new site called babyboomer.org. Uh, because we're trying to address all those things, you know, Alzheimer's, dementia, uh, you know, how to deal with each other on the site. So, um, you know, all those answers we're hoping to pull together at babyboomer.org. And I can hardly wait to uh, join on. I will be filling out that form this weekend, Gramps. Thank you for sending that to me. Yes, folks, check out. Baby, it's babyboomer.org or the baby boomers. Babyboomer.org. You know, and, and the reason that we felt that we needed to pull this site together is our generation of baby boomers is so diverse. I mean, when you think yes. about it, politically, religiously, you know, all the, the opinions. I mean, we are a very diverse generation, but you know, the, the generation before us was diverse and the generations after us were very diverse. But the one thing that baby boomers do have in common is a shared experience. That's how we are connected. You know, when you think about it, we were there when both of the Kennedys were assassinated. We were there when Martin Luther King was assassinated. Yeah, we were there for the landing on the moon. We were there when birth control just started to become widespread. Uh, We were there for Vietnam, both good and bad. You know, we lost four of our people at Kent State. You know, riots in the streets in the late late 1960s. But we're all together because we love the same music. Uh, Elvis, the Beach Boys, the Beatles, Three Dog Nights, Supremes. Uh, you know, <laughs> and we, we love the same movies, Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid, Jaws, or any, any of the Spielberg movies. You know, Animal House, Star Wars, yeah. The Godfather. So all these things have brought this generation together. And, you know, at our time, we were all on landlines, so we all had the same information. We only had three TV stations, so we all got the same stuff. So that is why we're pulling babyboomer.org together is because we've got this shared experience. And now that as we're all getting older, you know, there's other shared experiences we need to be talking about. And that's what the site's all about. And I went on there briefly, folks, um, 
then I checked out babyboomer.org, and I'll tell you what, it is full of great information. I read a book about, I'm not a book, I read the article I had about aging, um, beauty-wise, uh, doing it uh, naturally, and I said, oh, this is a good article, and briefly, you know, I just scanned it real quick, and you have people's uh, podcast on there, you have a lot of great information and uh, this will be in the blog um, so people can connect to babyboomer.org. And thank you for creating that, Gramps, Jeffrey. And uh, thank you for coming on my show. Thank you for writing this adorable book. Folks, if you have a young child in your life, if you are a preschool teacher, kindergarten teacher, in the field of education, preschool, you need to purchase this book. I don't want to turn three. Where can they purchase this book, Gramps? They can buy it on Amazon or Barnes & Noble, about 100 on their sites. Or come to my site, uh, GrampsJeffrey.com or I don't want to turn 3com Or if any of your listeners want to continue this conversation, please email me. It's GrampsJeffrey at gmail.com. Oh, great. So that's how they can connect with you. And this will also be in the blog which Jeannie White, station manager, uh, Patrick World Talk Radio, writes. So please read the blogs. You can connect with Gramps Jeffrey and connect to babyboomer.org and purchase the book. You know, holiday time's coming up. This would be a great gift. Give it to a type. Oh, here's a great idea. Buy this book and give it to, if you're in a daycare or preschool, give it to your teacher. Give it as a, a classroom gift. That's a great idea. And I also really can't thank you enough, Gramps Jeffrey, for coming on and uh, talking about your book. And we're talking about raising kids and being uh, grandparents. And uh, I really enjoyed our conversation. And I also want to thank Lillian Caldwell, CEO of Pasture World Talk Radio, who makes this all possible. And please share this show to help other people. I know there's many, many baby boomers out there, and there's many uh, young people who could really benefit from listening to the show and also to contact uh, Gramps Jeffrey and check out his other books. And I just want to encourage everyone to subscribe to Chatting with Betsy. It is for free on Spreaker iHeart, and you could go to PassionateWorldTalkRadio.com to hear my shows. And as I always say at the end of my show, in a world where you could be anything, please be kind and shine your light bright. And you know what? If we would just be kind and work in ourselves, this would be a much happier world, much brighter world. And that's how I feel. And that's what I want to encourage everyone to do. So thank you, everyone, for listening. This is Betsy Wurzel, your host of Chatting with Betsy on Passionate World Talk Radio. Bye-bye now. <laughs>